Well, hey there. If we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. If you're new to Path for Growth, our mission is to help impact driven leaders step into who they are created to be so that others may benefit and God may be glorified. And I'm really excited about today's episode, but I feel like I should start by saying thank you. Thank you for trusting me with your time in what probably felt pretty risky, clicking an episode titled The Remarkable and Often Underappreciated Leadership of Santa Claus, because that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I want you to hang in there with me. So first of all, let me explain to you where the idea for this episode came from. I woke up this morning and I knew it's a Saturday and Saturdays are typically my content days and I knew I was going to be working on content for the remaining episodes of the year for the Path for Growth podcast. And I was thinking to myself, okay, well, what would be good? What would be timely? What would be helpful? And I just thought to myself, well, that that one of those last episodes is going to fall on December 22nd, which is obviously the week of Christmas. And I was like, man, people are a little bit checked out then anyway, so you don't want to do something too deep and too heavy, but you should release something. And then I was like, well, it would also be good to be relevant with the Christmas season that we're in. And so I was like, what would be good? And I just thought to myself at that time, well, what if you did an episode on the leadership of Santa Claus? And my initial thought was, Alex, that's the stupidest idea you've ever had. But I will tell you, some of my great ideas, not all of my great ideas, but some of my great ideas were ones that I originally discounted as stupid. Now, I, the jury is still out on whether or not this is a great idea or a stupid idea, but I just figured we're going to record it and go for it because that's one of the reasons why I wanted to own a business so that I could pursue the ideas that might be stupid, but I get to do it anyway. So this might be stupid. Right. It might be stupid. But but what I will tell you is that as I pursued the idea, as I started intentionally taking notes, as I started thinking about the story of Santa Claus, what I started to realize is, oh, this could actually be really good. Like there is a lot of gold in here and we're going to work on a lot of real leadership and we're going to work on a lot of real leadership principles and theories and ideas and actions and practices today. It's just all in the context of a fictional story, which, by the way, if you haven't heard the story of Santa Claus is a fictional story. Somewhere there is a five-year-old crying right now because their parent had them listening to this podcast in the car. And if you are that parent, I apologize. But for everyone else, it is a fictional story. And so what we're going to do is we're going to deconstruct the story and pull out nine leadership actions. Because here's what I believe, and it's a fundamental belief. If there is something with more than one person involved that works over an extended period of time, there are always leadership lessons to be learned. I'm going to say it again because this is kind of the thesis as to why what we're doing today is actually worth it. I believe that if there is something with more than one person involved and it works effectively over an extended period of time, there are always leadership lessons to be learned. That applies to a corporation, that applies to a small business, that applies to a athletic team, that applies to a group of kids on a playground, that even applies to a fictional story. If there is something with more than one person involved that works over an extended period of time, there's always leadership lessons to be learned. And so what we're going to look at is nine leadership actions that Chris Kringle clearly takes to make him an effective leader that constantly delivers on his promise 
every single year. And I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, well, this just seems kind of ridiculous. And that's because it is kind of ridiculous. But just walk with me because I really, really, really believe that these actions could legitimately be very helpful. And then we're going to focus on something even more ridiculous after that. And that's three leadership mistakes or pitfalls that I think Santa Claus is currently making. So we've got nine leadership actions that we can learn from Santa Claus here on this Christmas week. And then we're going to focus on three leadership mistakes. So we're going to hustle on these. Let's start with number one. What does Santa Claus do? Well, Santa Claus sets an audacious vision. Leadership is rooted in taking people from here to there, and you have to know what there is. You have to know what you actually want to accomplish because people are capable of incredible things whenever they are rallied around a compelling vision of where they want to go. And think about what Santa Claus does. He sets out a clear, compelling vision down to the day. He says the night of December 24th into the day of December 25th, We are going to deliver gifts to every household in the world. Man, you want to talk about a big, hairy, audacious goal. But seriously, I want you to hear this real quick. Leaders a lot of times don't get clear because clear means vulnerability. Clear demands that you're willing to risk failure. And if you're going to do something as audacious as, say, well, delivering gifts to every household in the world, you have to be willing to risk failure. What right now in your life, what right now in your business, what right now in your leadership is demanding that you risk failure? Because Seth Godin says that purpose is found whenever we choose to dance on the edge of failure. You don't find purpose whenever everything's easy, whenever everything's convenient, and whenever everything's given to you. You find purpose whenever you say, that's crazy, but it just might work. So what does Santa Claus do? He sets an audacious vision. What else does he do? Well, Santa Claus understands that massive results demand intentional preparation. Every single year, he accomplishes his goal. Every single year, he sets out to deliver gifts to every household in the world. And as the story goes, every single year, he accomplishes it. Now, there may be years where it's in jeopardy, or there may be Christmas movies that portray a situation in which Santa Claus's mission is in jeopardy. But in reality, in reality, this is all a joke to me. But remember, I know that this is a fictional story. I'm getting a little too into this. In reality, this fictional reality, he accomplishes the mission. He scales the obstacles. He meets the blockers head on, and, and he makes it happen. Now, how does he do that? Well, he prepares intentionally. Think about this for a second. He prepares for about 11 and a half months for one night. The Santa Claus story is rooted in the idea that it takes 11 and a half months to prepare for one night of results. So often we underestimate the amount of preparation it takes to get massive, outrageous, lasting, and meaningful results. We need to remember that massive results are always the product of intentional preparation. I'm going to say it again. Massive results are the product of intentional preparation. So he sets an audacious vision. He understands that massive results demand intentional preparation. And then he listens intentionally to his customer. So who is Santa Claus's customer? Well, I would say that it's probably children around the world. And what do children around the world do? 
they write Santa Claus letters. They tell them what they want. They say, we have needs. Can you meet them? That is what the marketplace does for businesses. Go with me. Hang in there with me for a second. Why are they writing him letters, though? They're writing him letters because they believe that he reads them. They believe that he listens to them. Leadership is rooted in listening to the people that you exist to serve. And the whole Santa Claus narrative is predicated on the idea that all these kids are writing him letters that he's actually reading. He receives them, he reads them, and then he responds to the frontline requests of the marketplace. I mean, that's a pretty massive parallel. Listen, it may be a goofy parallel, but it's an important one. I would ask you as a leader, how connected are you to your frontline customers? Are you listening to them? Are you getting their feedback? Maybe you should buy them a cup of coffee. Maybe you should read their emails that they send to you. Maybe you should uh, write them a letter and hope that they write you one back, right? There's value to listening to what people actually need so that we can respond with the proper solution. What a novel idea. I told you there's some good stuff in here. So he sets an audacious vision. He understands that massive results demand intentional preparation. He listens intentionally to his customer. What does he do next? He recognizes and rewards good behavior. This is an integral part of the story that too often we overlook. He's making a list. He's checking it twice, trying to figure out who's naughty and nice. The whole idea is predicated on the fact that the things you reward will be repeated. That's the leadership principle here. The things you reward, the things that you recognize will be repeated. So recognize and reward specifically. Compliment people specifically. When you see one of your values, when you see your mission, when you see the things that your business stands for, when you see outrageous performance stand out in your business, recognize it. Take the time to recognize it. Follow Santa Claus's example in that way. Recognize and reward good behavior. What do we need to do next? Well, Santa Claus does it. He delegates effectively. I'll tell you, I've seen a lot of pictures and and a lot of illustrations of this Santa Claus dude. And not once have I ever seen him buried in work at the assembly line with the elves. We know that he has this army of elves that are helping him accomplish this audacious vision. But never once have I seen a picture of Santa Claus that is just outrageously overwhelmed the night before Christmas Eve and absolutely buried in the business of what he's trying to do. No, Santa Claus works on the business. He doesn't just get buried in the business. Now, there are times where we can see him at an assembly line, where we can see him getting into the grit and the grime of things with the elves. But I I want you to recognize that every picture I've seen of that, he's involved, but he's not buried in the work. He's involved in the work, but he's not buried in the work. And there's a difference. That's what I would ask you. Are you involved in the work with your team? Of course, there should be times where you're rolling up your sleeves, where, where you're getting in the trenches with them. But, but are you involved in the work, showing them that you're willing and able to do it? Or are you buried in it? Are you trapped by the thing that you're building? We need to delegate effectively because that's what Santa Claus does. I can't believe I'm doing this right now. I told you I was going to say that. Okay. 
So he sets an audacious vision. He understands massive results demand intentional preparation. He listens intentionally to his customer. He recognizes and rewards good behavior. He delegates effectively, and then he delights in his role. And I believe that this next one is actually related to the fact that he delegates effectively. Because he's not buried in the business that he's building, because he's not crushed by the mission that he's on, well, he gets to delight in the role that he gets to play. Whenever we see pictures or videos or movies movies of Santa Claus on Christmas Eve. If it's a good movie, it's not like he's doing this out of obligation. He's doing it from a place of good cheer. He's jolly St. Nicholas, right? His whole reputation and brand is based on the idea that he's happy to do what he's doing. And here's the principle that I want you to hear. People love following and being around people doing what they love. I don't think we would be as uh, enthralled with this whole Santa Claus story if he was doing it out of obligation because it was a chore and he was just wishing that Christmas wouldn't happen this year because he is so trapped by this business that he created or by this role that he is having to fill. I just don't think that 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 would be as compelling to us. No, this is a guy that's thrilled. He jumps out of bed hoping that it's Christmas Eve because on Christmas Eve, he gets to magnify and live into the role that he was created for. He delights in his role. So as a leader, are you delighting in your role? Are you enjoying what you're doing every single day? It doesn't mean that every day you have to be skipping around and just absolutely laughing and chuckling and joyful all the time, but it does mean that you should have a little bit of a pep in your step with regard to what you get to do. And a lot of times we enjoy what we get to do whenever we connect it to why we get to do it. That's important. Don't forget that. So he delights in his role and we should do the same. Another one that I'm not going to spend much time on because I don't have a ton of experience here, but I was like, I wrote this down and I was like, well, that is noteworthy in the Santa Claus story. What does he do? He keeps his spouse involved. Most of the stories that we read about Santa Claus, there's always mentions of Mrs. Claus. It's not like he has his business operation and his marriage on the side and she's not in any way involved in what, what's going on. No, my assumption is that she probably knows the elves and she's probably working with him in preparation for this Christmas Eve project, right? And she's probably involved in the discussions around how preparation is going to take place. Santa Claus is intentional in keeping his spouse involved. The principal here here is that you do not have to choose between your work and your family. And I know this is all presented in kind of a, a joking way. And the whole precedent of this episode is kind of ridiculous, but I want you to hear this. There's a lie out there that says that you need to choose between your family being healthy and strong and your business being healthy and strong. It's a lie. It's an absolute lie. You can do both, and I would tell you, you you should be attending to both. If your business wins at the expense of your family, you're doing it wrong. But I would also tell you that your family shouldn't win at the expense of your business because the whole paradigm of that is just that there has to be a choice. 
I want your family to win. I want your family to thrive. I want your family to be supported and supplemented by your business. And for every single one of them to look at your business as though it's an incredible gift that they are also involved in, whether working for it or not, that they get to be on this adventure with you. And I want your business to support your family. I want your business to be something that allows y'all to do the things that you want to do, to serve the way you want to serve, to be outrageously generous. The idea that it's a choice is an absolute lie. So make sure that you keep your spouse and your family involved. Let's follow Santa Claus's lead. What does he also do? Well, he has a reputation of generosity. The whole story, the whole narrative is based on the idea that he's generous, that he gives generously, right? I've never seen such thing as a stingy Santa Claus. And I will tell you, if you are an impact-driven leader, generosity has to be part of your spirit, It can't just be something you do. It has to be part of who you are. Don't give stingily. Give cheerfully. Give because you get to give. Give because you are absolutely aware and grateful of the blessings that are in your life today. Think about that for a second. You are aware and grateful of the blessings that you have in your life today. And as a result, you get to be outrageously and a abundantly generous. And then the final one, and it's related to that word that I just said, abundance. Santa Claus maintains an abundance mentality. This was the one that I was just so stoked about. Think about this for a second. There are a bunch of frauds out there. There's a bunch of imitators. There's a bunch of people in malls and on street corners and at Salvation Army posts that are imitating Santa Claus, but they're not the real deal. And I've never seen Santa Claus leave his post to go after the imitators, to go after the frauds. Because here's what Santa Claus knows is that number one, there will always be more people to serve. And number two, imitation is the price of impact. We've heard that imitation is flattery, but recognize also imitation, it's just part of making an impact. If you want to make an impact as a leader, recognize that people are going to see that, they're going to admire it, whether they say so or not, and they're going to imitate it. I don't see Santa Claus going to the malls to hunt down and post cease and desist orders for the Santa Clauses that are at malls. No. Abundance mentality, folks. There's always more people to serve. There's always more needs to meet. There's always more opportunity and ideas and creativity. There's nothing new under the sun. Let's preserve an abundance mentality. So there you go, nine actions. I told you there was some stuff in this. There was some stuff that we can actually learn from. So remember, the belief that's overarching it, before we get to the mistakes, the belief that's overarching it, if something with more than one person works effectively over an extended period of time, there are always leadership lessons to be learned. And there's something compelling in the idea that the Santa Claus story has multiple people involved, the elves, the kids, Santa Claus, Mrs. Claus, all of that. But there's also something pretty compelling in the fact that this is a narrative that has stood the test of time. I mean, people love this story, and there's a reason why people love this story, whether they know it consciously or not. And then we went over the actions, and there's nine leadership actions. What does Santa Claus do? He sets an audacious vision. He understands that massive results demand intentional preparation. He listens intentionally to his customer. He recognizes and rewards good behavior. He delegates effectively. He delights in his role. He keeps his spouse involved. He has a reputation of generosity. And Santa Claus always maintains an abundance mentality. 
Okay. I, I just love this. I'm having a ball right now, if you can't tell. And now uh, let's focus on three areas of improvement. Three things that whenever I look at the story of Santa Claus, I just say, man, you better focus on these three things because otherwise this thing isn't going to go the way that you want it to. There's things we can learn in this. This is actually going to get real serious real quick. So buckle up. Three areas for improvement. Number one, every time I hear the Santa Claus story, I've never heard about an exit strategy or a succession plan. And the whole thing is reliant on one brilliant but incredibly limited and finite personality. (laughs) I told you this was getting serious. There's a great quote that says, the quirky brilliance of a founder can only take a business so far. And the whole Santa Claus story is rooted in the quirky brilliance of this one dude right? That wears red and then has this long beard and that is just absolutely jolly all the time. I mean, he's just brilliant. He's creative. He's visionary, right? And he's got all this boundless energy. Sound like someone you know, creative, visionary, boundless energy, excited about what they get to do, completely purpose-driven. Sounds like most of the entrepreneurs that I know. Recognize that that personality will only take your business so far. So what's the the leadership lesson that we can learn from a area of improvement perspective? You, you got to have an exit strategy. You got to know how this operation that you're currently running lasts whenever you're no longer around. I wish I could give Santa Claus that advice. <laughs> this is just ridiculous. I love it though. It's good. Number two. The vitality and feasibility of the Santa Claus model relies entirely on one day. Think about this. The the whole thing, the whole operation, the entire operation is built around the night of December 24th going into the morning of December 25th. Now, if Santa Claus gets sick, if one of the reindeer dies tragically, if something happens to the sleigh, the whole thing falls apart. It unravels. He's putting all his chips on the table on one night. And what what I would tell him if I was his business coach is, dude, we've got to find out a way to diversify and we've got to dilute the level of risk because putting all of your chips on the table in one night, that's called irresponsible risk. <laughs> Here's the parallel. Stay with me for just a second. I've talked to, to some business leaders recently that, I mean, maybe 90, 95% of their revenue comes from one customer. And and they know that this is a challenge and it's actually something that they're working on, the people that I'm talking about. But recognize that anytime you disproportionately get the vitality of your business from one source or one time or one day or one customer, you're, you're risking a lot. And The right time to diversify is right now. Don't wait. Don't wait until one of the reindeer is sick on Christmas Eve to realize, oh, we should probably have a contingency plan. Don't take irresponsible risk and never as a business owner put all your chips on the table on one project. (laughs) That's, I mean, that's a pretty strong one. You got to admit, that's a pretty good principle. So don't miss that principle because that could actually save someone's business. So although it's presented in the context of a joke, it's actually really, really important. So don't miss that. 
So we said that we need to have an exit strategy. We said that we need to not entirely rely on one day or one customer or one source of revenue. And then finally, Santa Claus, what does he do? Well, he has a tendency to neglect his personal health and his future well-being. I mean, every time we hear about this guy, he's drinking whole milk and he's eating chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) And I mean, like, dude, you got to take care of yourself, man. I mean, the guy is outrageously overweight and so much so that that's become like a lifestyle. It's become part of his identity and people like look at him as, oh, he's just the overweight guy. Santa, you got to get your act together, man. Strength is for service. You got to be strong. You got to be healthy. You got to have vitality. We don't want to risk your personal health and well-being. (laughs) Again, it's presented in a joke, but it's actually really important. You got to take care of yourself. And we're heading into the new year right now. And this is a great opportunity to establish some habits and some rhythms. We can't effectively serve others unless we are operating from a posture of strength. And I've seen too many people recently feeling like they need to be leading others, but they're trying to lead others from a posture of weakness because they're not taking care of themselves. Establish habits, rhythms, routines, and accountability for making sure that you've got your house in order, for making sure that you are taking care of yourself, and for making sure that you are staying strong. And that will grant you the ability to abundantly serve others and be incredibly generous. This is like a roller coaster for me because it feels like we're going from laughing and joking and smiling to things that are really serious all at once. But uh, I hope that it was valuable for you. And more than that, I, I just hope that you're excited about this Christmas. I know that it has been one heck of a year. My prayer for you as you head into Christmas is threefold. Number one, that you would take some time to be grateful because even in the midst of this wild ride of a year called 2020, there are blessings that we should all be grateful for. Number two, that you spend time with people that you love. You will never go wrong by prioritizing people. And number three is just that you would enjoy the season you're in. Be a human being, not a human doing, and take some time to actually celebrate and rejoice in the season that you've been given right now. Y'all, our whole team is rooting for you. We want to see you win. Have a very, very Merry Christmas. And always remember that my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.